Hi, Steve Arterburn here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Hello, everyone. We are so glad that you joined us today. And by us, I mean Dr. Sherry Keffer and Chris Williams. And we are taking calls for the next couple of hours, 1-800-229-3000. And we want to hear from you. We know that you got stuff on your mind and in your relationships, and we want to help you with whatever you've got. Uh, this morning, we're going to hear from Chris. Chris, I know you got all kinds of things going on in your mind. Uh, what would you like to share with the listeners today? Yeah, the monkeys are usually pretty active in my mind and i don't know if you guys could there we go yes you got me got me good talking about monkeys yes active, the, monkeys. The active monkeys in my brain it's happening all the time and uh it's uh you can ask my wife it's such a joyous thing um <laughs> but i've been really working with a lot of people lately especially recovering from childhood trauma and one of the things that childhood trauma does is it produ- it can produce a lot of shame, things like uh, – but one of the shame messages is I don't have what it takes or I'm not a value that can contribute something significant to the world. And, and it's one of the ways that I think the, the, the enemy uses pain to make us less than God's image-bearing, living far below his purposes for our life. And so one of the things I've been doing is helping people restore creativity. Now, we are all creative beings, right? Like, I'm not saying profoundly creative. I made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for my boys for school because it was my day. And so maybe it's not like an act of art, but I did that because I'm creating food or creating a meal that I believe is important. So we're in that process all along. God created and he actually gave it to people to then reproduce acts of creativity. And so one of the things I think that if we're struggling, especially in the doldrums, especially in the fear, the pain, or in these horrible beliefs about ourselves that we don't have what it takes, is what I really encourage people to do is anything that they have the slightest proficiency or even interest in doing is making something. Engage in a creative act. And then if you can tie that creative act to some level of generosity, it has this renewable energy to it. The energy that you put into it, it may take a little bit, but it will supply it back. And then it starts challenging those beliefs that I'm not significant or I can't do anything of significance, and it can move our purposeful actions forward. And so I really believe in a uh, a strong restoration of our creative action into the world as part, as an essential part of our healing and growth. Wow. That's so I know, big. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, Sherry, you're pretty creative, and uh, I, I can imagine that that has been part of your practice. Well, it has, and it, it, it. I was just thinking about Chris, what you said about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think most of us even imagine that making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is an act of creating. Yes, and yeah. and, and while you were talking, I put PBJ, and I thought I'm listening to Chris, and this is a plan P to build B joy. 
Yes. Yes. PBJ. <laughs> yes, that's awesome, Sherry. <laughs> but it's true. Whether we're whether we're doodling or making our kids lunch, just that action of creating. And think about it. I was just at a shower last week in a baby shower. Our, my son in love um, is pregnant, and knowing that. Caius, their little boy, has been in the hopper for mm-hmm. almost nine months now, creating, and God has been weaving. Yes. Like, there's so many acts of creativity, and it, it, I just love what you're telling us. And I love that you tied joy to it. It really is joy in, me, in the creativity. I, I do, too. Well, we're going to be right back after this, taking your calls, 1-800-229-3000. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. I'm Steve Arterburn with a New Life Moment. One day, a nearsighted elderly man who considered himself an art expert visited a museum. He'd forgotten his glasses and couldn't see very clearly, but that didn't stop him from airing his opinions. What he thought was a full-length portrait soon caught his attention. He gazed at it for a moment and then began his criticism. The frame is altogether out of keeping with the picture, he complained. The man is too homely, too shabbily dressed. In fact, it's a mistake that the artist even selected such a shoddy subject for his portrait. He continued until his wife managed to discreetly pull him aside. My dear, she whispered, you're looking in a mirror. (laughs) An examined life is the only life worthy of the name. But be sure you're using the only mirror able to both diagnose and heal. To learn what God's Word has to say, visit newlife.com. I'm Steve Arterburn, and thanks for listening to this New Life Moment. Isn't that funny that we started with your talk about art and creativity mm. and then Steve joined right into the conversation and and I also think isn't that that's the powerful message that you had uh when you think about what shuts down our creativity and how we even view ourselves in the world I just thought that was a great connection there um we are we're grateful for just that insight and I've already gotten a text to uh Sherry about PB and J let's make PB and J today <laughs> Plan so, to build yeah. joy <laughs> yeah. using you, creativity. You, you, cre- you have created a new catchphrase, so yeah. we're happy for that. We're going to go to the calls, and we're going to talk with Jason, who's calling us from Spokane, Washington, and is a new caller. We're glad that you called. Jason, how can we help you today? Oh, hi. Um, it's not really a relationship problem, so I apologize for that. That's my first time listening. Um, but anyway, my, my question is, um, it seems like God made... Uh, three mistakes, and he keeps making mistakes in that he can't seem to make people that do what he wants. Uh, he made a mistake with Adam and Eve, they failed, and then he started started over with Noah's family, and they failed. Uh, he, you know, split everybody up, uh, confused their languages, and because uh, he didn't want them creating the Tower of Babel, and then we've gone and made towers that are 500 times taller than that, or however many times taller. And it just seems like God should create people that have desires that are in accordance with what he wants to do. And he could do that and still give us free will. I mean, we have desires now. They're simply not in accordance with what he wants. He could simply tweak that and put us in accordance with what he wants. So it seems like he's doing a very bad job um, in creating. And I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that. 
Well, it's a great question, Jason. It's something that many people over the centuries have asked about. Uh, Sherry, let's start with you. And uh, how can we help Jason with this thought process? Well, first off, Jason, thank you for being so brave to be on today for the first time. And you're listening for the first time today. We love that. We love, love, love that. Um, if Would you mind if I were to ask a question behind your question? No, go ahead. Okay. Your question makes me incredibly curious. It makes me incredibly curious about you. Because I think that you're one of those people, right, that has a very bright mind. And things need to make sense. And when they mm-hmm. don't make sense, it's it creates crazy making because it just seems like, come on, A plus B should equal C. It just, you know, there's, there's a yeah. simpler path, right? Um, uh-huh. One of the things that I wonder about with you, and I know this may feel very vulnerable for the first time you're calling, right, um, to ask a little bit about growing up in your home, because with somebody who has a bright mind like you, that simply wants to connect the dots to life, I imagine there may have been times growing up where you felt like you weren't understood, you were missed, maybe even felt like I'm, I'm different, I don't belong. Why, why can't anyone understand me? Did you experience any of that? Either that kind of not feeling seen or understood for these deep thoughts or maybe being criticized? Well, yeah. I mean, I was criticized. I had issues with my mother, and when I would try and talk with her about what the Bible says, she would shut me down, and I never had any friends. So, yeah, I mean, didn't get along with well with my sister. My father abandoned me when I was four. So, yeah, I've got issues. So you know what I want to do right now? with you, and this might be really weird, I felt tears well up. I felt tears well up in my heart for you, Jason, for how much pain you've mm-hmm. been through. To have your dad leave, to, to live in tension and criticism with your mom, like you wanted to understand the right path and the Bible, and but you were criticized and then tension with your sister and not feeling like you fit in with friends. My heart, my heart is, is aching for you right now. I mean, if you could see me, you'd see my eyes are just welled with tears because it hasn't been easy for you relationally and why you're coming to us with a question that didn't seem relational. Do you know what my friend It has everything to do with relationship because I think there's a deep, deep part of you that feels like God made a mistake in placing you into the family. He placed you in because your needs have not been met. Mm -hmm. Even your basic needs for, for feeling valued and heard and delighted in and supported. And so it it makes complete sense to me that you would say, you know, God did a bad job with, you know, Adam and Eve and Noah and the Tower of Babel and my family, dot, 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 right? Because Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, there's a lot of times when I feel I shouldn't have been uh, created. Mm. Wow. Wow. 
Well, let me tell you something, and I know it may not sink in today, but I think you're absolutely brilliant and delightful. And I just don't think you've been honored effectively for that. And I, I actually think you were created as um, an inquisitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thoughts, Chris? I, I, it, to, to that point, a lot of the mistakes that we make relationally is that difference is bad. Or difference is threatening. So if you think or believe or have a question that questions my beliefs, then somehow I, something happens in me where I have to make you wrong. Well, that relationally divides. That's another form of abandonment. So Sherry, to your point, Jason, you're experiencing abandonment upon abandonment, which basically at mm-hmm. the end of the day says it's not okay to be me. Well, we can yeah. go. We can go back to all of the Sunday school cliches. You know, God don't make no junk. Well, that sounds nice, but what happens when my human experience is that I'm discardable? Well, the experience mm-hmm. becomes undefeated and has more power behind all of that. And so, in your core question, which I think is a good one, to which Becky alluded to, is like, man, we've been struggling with this for thousands of years. It's the problem of what we call human agency, human desire, which also is a birthplace of tremendous pain and suffering, which you have experienced that side of human agency, the pain and suffering side. But there is another side. And I will say it's the audacity of our faith. The audacity of our faith that says that in union with God and in union with how he created us, we are the producers and creators of great care, of great love. Also, as I was mentioning at the top of the show, great creativity, that you were designed for great relating and great creating, and in that we experience flourishing. Now, again, I cannot resolve on the show or do I pretend to resolve the ultimate theological dilemma of, of pain and suffering? But to Sherry's guidance for you, it's that this is real. Now, what do I do with it? Not that the theology, resolving the theological issue is not going to cure your broken heart. And so now, how do we go into the heart issue and begin to work out and 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 listen, my friend. The abandonment of a father. I got. I'm with you on that one. Card carrying member since 1984. Mm-hmm. So in that, it's like, what now do we do? Is there a God who cares for me in the midst of my pain, not just a theology that will rationalize it away? And, and that's why I want to well, encourage you to get into get into some deeper work there. Uh, I should give you a little more information, maybe. Uh, I'm an atheist, and I have been since 27. So, well, I, But doesn't that make sense? Yeah. It kind of makes sense to me, Jason, with the criticism and the abandonment and the feelings of disconnect to friends and tension with your sister. It's, it's like this idea that if I just isolate myself enough from people or God, maybe my pain will go away. But it's weird. It's counterintuitive. Let, you know what I want to create with you? 
Isn't it weird, Jason, that you can call in today the very first time, and I don't think it's by chance that you called in, because isn't it weird? I'm not even looking into your eyes, but I'm feeling you. Mm -hmm. I'm mirroring you. I'm able to tell you what I think I know about you and who you are. I even called you delightful. If I could create anything with you, it would be if you were in my area and you were working with me and you were my client, I would create a relationship between myself and you. And I would reflect back the good mm-hmm. that I see. Yeah. And then I would create a relationship where I, f- I reflect back the harm that has happened to you. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's not about you. It's about what's happened to you. And, and so in doing that, in, in attaching to you and mirroring, that's where the healing can happen. Because you haven't had that. But I did it without even seeing you. I just listened. So when Chris is inviting you into the deeper work, be it atheist or God-believer, right? We're inviting you into a path of healing that can can help you get connected with Mm -hmm. a safe human. Maybe for the first time in your life, who can care? Well, when when you say deeper work, um, what what do you mean? Like uh, contact a psychologist? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a therapist who has a specialty in childhood trauma and abandonment and and as Sherry said it's in that in the safety of the relationship. Because the the, the irony of you calling today is like, yeah, you've brought up some really really good points. And I say this the irony, but the irony also is that my faith informs the fact that I like Sherry believe that you are absolutely invaluable regardless of what you believe. And that you are worthy and deserving of a life of love and fulfillment that and in that, you know, it's like no matter what we believe, we know that the the price tag, the the entry fee to planet Earth is pain. So we're all going to have to deal with it one way or another. And it's not an equivalency. We don't all get it the same. And that doesn't make sense to me either. But we all need a pathway for healing and growth to become more of who we are designed to be. I agree. Jason, it's really powerful to have you ask the question and to call us today. And, you know, Sherry and Chris, you guys are the best ones for him to talk with. And uh, we're going to send you, I want to send him a copy of John and Henry's book, How How People Grow. That's great. Um, Yeah. I think it's going to have some pretty great uh, direction there. However, your belief is, course you called us and that's how we believe but we know that there are lots of questions and we don't expect you to have that all figured out at the end of this call but we want you to know we're going to be praying for you we're going to connect you with somebody and you can take that option but uh, we're so grateful to have had the opportunity to connect with you today Jason and we'll uh, look forward to hearing from you again in the future we're going to continue to take calls for the next hour and you know a few minutes 1-800-229-3000. Maybe you got questions like Jason does. It's okay to ask him. That's how we begin the healing process. And to get curious about those things that um, are informing our life that may not be directing us in the best way possible. We'll be right back after this.
We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We are going to have our Intimacy and Marriage Intensive next weekend in Orange County, and it is the best Valentine's gift ever that you could give to your spouse. Um, Better than candy and flowers, although, you know, those are nice too. But (laughs) we want you to join us there where you are going to get some practical insight into um, all things about your relationship. It's not just for people who are struggling in, you know, bad places in the marriage, who doesn't want to have who doesn't want to have a better marriage mm-hmm. i mean you don't want to be married and miserable so if you haven't come and visit the intimacy of marriage intensive come next weekend february 16th through 18th and we are just we're excited to see uh, you there and give us a call if you have questions about that right now we're going to go back to the calls we're going to continue taking calls 1-800-229-3000 and we are going to talk with Joni who's calling us from Portland, Maine, and listens on SiriusXM. Hello, Joni. Thanks for calling. How can we hey help there. you today? Thanks for taking my call. Um, what great things you've talked about in the program so far. Mm. I, when I listen, I always glean some wisdom for help in different situations in my life, so I'm very grateful. And I'm thinking this, what my question might apply to different people listening as well. Um, so, um, 20 years ago, I had to kick my 18-ish year old daughter out of the house, and we don't talk about that much, but I was talking about it with her recently, and one of the reasons I had to draw the line uh, was that she physically attacked me twice, and mm-hmm. we were talking about it recently, and once was, um, I maybe this isn't important, um, so I'll skip it, but if you want to know the specific conditions then I'll tell you but um in talking about it now she says I said you know in 20 years you've never apologized for attacking me and she said I would do it all over again you were threatening me and I'm like no I wasn't I wasn't threatening you at all she said well I would do it all over again and I thought so there she is on one and I'm thinking so I guess it is appropriate to say this specific. The first instance was she was in the shower and just being a mean, rude, breaking the law and lying about it, teenager. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but she told me that I had come into the bathroom and she wasn't responding to me. So I pulled the shower curtain back to ask her what, you know, whatever the question was, I don't even remember. And she reached out and hit me. And she thinks that was fine. And then another time, I should have kicked her out then. Um, But then another time we were just talking in the kitchen and I was like eight feet, six to eight feet away from her. I started walking toward her and she just attacked me. She scratched my face like I took a picture of myself. I looked like a bear had scratched my face up like it was bad. And she said, oh, when we talked about it recently, I was worried that I was thinking you were going to attack me. I'm like, Orly, why? I was walking toward you. I said, if you could have said, Mom, stop, or you could have backed away, and when you attacked me, I didn't do anything back. I just stood there. If I was going to attack you, I would have done something when you went after me. 
And she said, no, I have no regrets. I would do the same thing again. And it just got me to thinking like, and then, so she's defending that. And then it's like she has different channels, like on channel physical abuse, she's hard and calloused. And, but then she'll talk to me um, in some, that whole time of life was difficult. But then if I keep away from the difficult subjects, she's cheerful and, you know. So, Joni, it is a a complex relationship, and it's amazing that you guys are still in touch over um, these years, even though you've had a lot of pain. Let's start with you, Chris. Um, How can we help Joni understand or even connect in a different way with her daughter? Well, Well, Joni, have you gotten feedback from anyone else in your life that they feel threatened by you or they feel intimidated by you? Never? Okay. Um, Well, I think there's a lot of history in the relationship with you and your daughter. And and I'm not even saying that the the history is like direct. I'm just saying I I imagine that your daughter has been through a lot in her life. And and you happen to be in the way. Or you may... the, The way of her pain, the way of her fear, the way of her hurt. Meaning that like... That stuff has to go somewhere, and, and sometimes it goes to the safest person. But there's another part of this when when she's recounting the story and she's saying, "I, you know, you were threatening me, or I felt threatened," and you say, "No, I didn't." What that does is it immediately shuts her down. And, well, she said I was running toward her. But well, but, but hold on, hold on, hold on, was... hold on, Joni, Joni, you're getting caught in the details, which is honestly, it's just it's missing the point. The point isn't what you're doing. Okay. The the point of it is what she is experiencing on the inside, which may not always be a reflection of reality, but is real to her. And that's what yeah. I want you to be able to get to, is a place where okay. there is a safety and an openness and a humility to be able to hear the other person's genuine experience of us. And we don't have to agree with it, but we do must seek to understand it and where they're coming from. Good. That's good. Joni, hold on just a second. You can hear the music. We'll come back and we'll hear from Sherry. I love what you just said, though, Chris, is, you know, listening is one of the most powerful acts of generosity mm-hmm. that we can give to another person and it may not resolve the issue but it can certainly bring us a little bit further along the way we'll be right back today's podcast is brought to you by club new life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very very difficult places to find out more about club new life you can go to our website newlife.com or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now, let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. 
We are so glad that you're here. We're going to keep taking calls, 1-800-229-3000. We have some on hold. And right now we're talking with Joni, who has a pretty complex relationship with a daughter who is an adult, but some of the challenges began way back when. Uh, Sherry, how about um, we, how can we help her? Well, hey, Joni, thank, thank you for being vulnerable with us to share really a painful story. Um, I, I, I'm wondering a little bit about growing up for you because what I hear is going on with you and your daughter is struggles of power and control. And sometimes when parents have grown up with control issues in their family of origin, or they've grown up with situations in their family where they felt terror, T-E-R-R, and, and fear, like extreme fear, no one really teaches us how to be parents and what to do when we feel fear and terror. Uh, we don't go through training classes, right, as parents. Did something happen when you were younger that really frightened you? Hmm. There were a bunch of problems with my childhood, but I was totally safe. Uh, yeah, not kind of like the last guy, like not acknowledged, but no fear, no terror. So um, there was a lot of traumas that happened in my familyhood and, and, and my background, right? A lot of traumas that happened growing up, but I was totally safe. You know what that is? It's cognitive dissonance. Like you're totally safe doesn't match the pain that happened to you. It's kind of been compartmentalized and it's been put in a box on a shelf in the back of the closet. And there's a sign on the door that says totally safe. Even though if you and I would open the door, I'd go, girl, you had a lot of stuff that happened to you growing up. So I actually didn't. You didn't have any trauma. I thought you said you had trauma growing up. Um, no fear, no terror, no... I don't mean um, fear or terror, but any trauma. Um, not like I hear about, you know, it was a calm, well-provided-for household. Okay, so mm-hmm. then I'm wondering about wounds of omission. Mm-hmm. Were you not sure. seen? Were you not heard? Right. As a, yeah. Okay. That earlier, I'm not supposed to talk about my daughter's. Um, she said she was. I was running toward her, but if she thinks I'm going to attack her because I'm running toward her, but I wasn't running. She's will. She's. It's fine if she tells me how she feels, but she can't make up facts. And if one of the reasons she's afraid is because I'm running toward her so, when I wasn't. So, so, so let me... That's like let, a dishonest assessment of the situation. Okay, so now I'm going to be really honest with you. First off, one, my heart breaks for you that you weren't seen or heard growing up. That set you up for some fear when you're not being seen and heard as a parent. 
when your daughter is doing things like breaking the law and lying about it, and she's not listening to you, that triggered you. Not only triggered you in the present, but that triggered you in the past. So what happened is you went into fear, panic, and you ended up going in when she's in the shower, naked, vulnerable, and you move the shower curtain over because you were trying to talk to her when she was in a private place of showering. And she wasn't in a place to listen to you. But you busted her boundaries of privacy when she was in the shower, opened up the shower, and she reacted to you by slapping you. Now, you're calling that abuse, and I'm saying, that's really inappropriate to slap Mm -hmm. somebody, right? But I can understand why she would have slapped you when you opened the door and she's naked, Do you see how until you parcel out what you did and what she did to react, it would be really easy to to label her as an abuser instead of going, what was my part in aggravating her to the point of slapping? Now, that's a tough conversation to have. Because it exposes some vulnerability in us as parents because we want to do the right thing. But you were afraid. And she wasn't listening to you. And that combination set up a reaction which wasn't healthy. She slapped you. And the reason she's saying she'd do it again is she's never felt heard by you over that issue so instead of saying no I didn't no I you know I was in the right I want to encourage you to say wow I'm not saying that I'm saying I never denied pulling the shower curtain back and I never said I was right about doing it and all I was saying earlier was that I didn't run across the kitchen to talk to her I was walking but right. because she said that she felt that I was aggressively running toward her I'm like well maybe I don't deny that you felt that I was being aggressive but I wasn't running get your facts straight okay but do you know what can I say this to you in love as a person who is trying to get her facts straight with her daughter if that's the hill you want to die on my friend you're going to lose her You'll never have her heart. Because sometimes when we think we're right, we're wrong. We're wrong because we're missing her heart. Mm -hmm. She just needs to know. She felt afraid. If there was boundaries being busted in the house, right, she felt afraid. And that's why she's saying, I won't apologize and I would do it again. And I think that's what you're trying to explain to Joni uh, Sherry, that, you know, we do have to hear each other. And a lot of times we don't even have to agree with it. We just have to hear each other out. And that's where it gets stuck. But we're... And, and if I can, I just want to jump in and make one quick delineation because as as Joni is telling the story and in, in, in her experience, and um, one of the things I heard is that, like, nothing physically painful happened to me. 
and the, it was physically safe. And I'm like, that's great. We need physical safety. But the fact of that pain, distress, hurt is unacknowledged, that means there isn't emotional and that means there isn't relational safety. If there's not emotional relational safety, it then comes out really sideways. And so, Joni, I just want to encourage you, maybe even cha- a, a, a loving challenge, that to, to look at what it means to be emotionally safe for myself and the people around me. And, and a hallmark of that is emotionally and relationally safe people can have hard conversations about their pain. They can also hear hard things about other people and their pain, even if it's about them. Well, Joni, I hope something that we said will move you along that way. Do you guys have a book that you want me to send her? I'm just thinking how we love. Mm Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what because, I was thinking too. Oh, good. Because I want her to yeah, be able so- to see herself, and you'll find right. yourself, Joni, and I want you to be able to see your daughter. And right. I love how Mylon and Kay put those attachment styles mm. together, and you'll probably yes. see. And there's so much about deeper connection in, yeah. in there and as well. And we'll get you connected with a therapist in your area that maybe you and your daughter can go and have some practice there with um, connecting on a, a safer level, a deeper level. We're going to go back to the calls. We're going to continue taking calls at 1-800-229-3000. And we're going to talk with Marcia, who's calling us from Boston and listens on YouTube. You can watch us on YouTube. And if you're there, hello, YouTube family. Remember to click like and subscribe. That gets the word out to so many more people. Hello, Marcia. How can we help you today? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was listening earlier, and it just seems like all the themes, if the themes are just you know, so woven together, and it's not a pre-recorded thing. It's just so amazing. So, anyways, I just wanted to say that I am calling today because I'm having an issue with my senior pastor in terms of communication. Okay. Well, and Marcia, you can hear the music. So, if you have a quick question, you can say it, and then we're going to come right back to you after this break question is you know how do I communicate with him without you know him feeling that I am being disrespectful or I having the feeling uh, that I am betraying him as my pastor that's a great question we will think about that and uh, we'll bring back some insight after this break thanks for calling To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We are talking with Marcia, who's calling us about uh, how to talk to her pastor without it being deemed disrespectful. Chris, let's start with you if you have more questions for Marcia to get clarification. Yeah, so, so Marcia, when you bring up an issue with your pastor, do you find him maybe taking it personally? Like, like give me a, a quick example of, of what an interaction with him is like. Yes, so he takes it personal, and then he... He feels like, you know, when I have conversation with him outside of me, like anything, you know, that somebody would bring something to him. He feels as if they are questioning his authority because they want to, like, you know, take the pastorship from him because he's a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. And he just, when I talk to him, he just feels threatened. 
Yeah. So whenever we have meetings, whenever he chooses people to be like, even on the board, he chooses people who will not question it, him. Then we just mm-hmm. sit there. And then if you do, like for me, I will ask questions. And then, you know, at the end of the meeting, he would be like, you know, why were you challenging me? And I don't, I don't think I'm challenging him, but sometimes I just need clarity. Okay, so, so here's the clarity I want to give you today is that if you take the title off of this person, if you take the title of pastor off of him, would you describe him as a relationally healthy person? I mean, he appears to be. Okay, but no, no, no. The relationship is about the interactions that we have with people, not the perception, the reality. So if you had the same interaction with a person without the title, would you describe that person as a relationally healthy person? I I would. I would. Okay, what makes him relationally healthy? So, you mean, outside of, you know, the church issues, we can go with to him with any any other issues that we have, okay. and he will help us. So to, He will guide us. So so let me let me jump in there. That's super helpful. So Marcia, I'm going to give you I'm going to tell on myself. My wife for the first, I don't know, 10 12 years of our marriage was totally okay bringing up an issue that didn't include me. I was safe for her as long as the issue wasn't something I was a part of. But I had some real unhealthy things in me. One of them called shame. There's some other things going on. I was <clears throat> deep in an addictive process that that when you talked something to me that I even interpreted as negative, you'd get a really strong reaction to me. Now, a lot of times my wife would just be asking me a genuine question and I would hear an accusation or a threat. I was not relationally healthy for her. Because she has the right and the permission and the and even the responsibility that if she's experiencing something off in our relationship, that she would have the freedom to be able to express that. Because if she doesn't, that means there isn't trust and movement forward. So the clarity I want to give to you today is a clarity of that, like, regardless of a person's title, we need the wisdom to identify what are things that are relationally healthy and what are things are, that are not. And, and I love the wisdom of Shark Tank. Shark Tank has this line that the sharks say, and it says, for those reasons, I'm out. And when they are identifying those reasons, they're always specific. And I think that that's brilliant. I think that that's wisdom. And so we got to be careful what we lend our hearts to because they have to be trustworthy, but we have to be able to identify that which is trustworthy. Sure, you want to add anything to Marcia's call? Well, I, I think that there are some people in ministry that actually get into ministry because they've come from very wounded backgrounds. And ministry, pastoral ministry becomes a way that they're getting their needs met by helping others, taking care of others, which makes them feel good about themselves. But they're very thin-skinned, even I might say narcissistically thin-skinned. They're somewhere on the narcissistic you know, spectrum 
uh, because narcissists don't like, and I'm not calling him a full-blown narcissist. I'm saying he might have some narcissistic tendencies, which means I don't want to let you Mm -hmm. in to any part of myself that isn't perfect. I I cannot bring my flaws to you. I cannot bring any brokenness to you because I fear annihilation. Mm -hmm. I fear rejection. I fear Mm -hmm. replacement. So they don't own their um, bad parts. (laughs) They, They are off-putting, right? And I think he's trying to put up a fence uh, around your questions. But when I think about Jesus and you think about how people questioned him, he rolled with it. Mm -hmm. He wasn't defensive. Why are you challenging me? He would go into a parable or he would, he would bring more vulnerability or he'd get to know the person he was with. Thank you for Mm -hmm. bringing that to me. He, and not that your pastor has to be like Jesus, but there's definitely something there that's keeping him afraid mm-hmm. of you seeing his brokenness. And mm-hmm. I think you see it, but you don't know what to do with it. And mm-hmm. that can be hard and mm-hmm. frustrating. It can be. Well, I, I hope something we've said, Marcia, will help you. Um, I'm trying, again, I'm always trying to think of a, a book um, one of the things I'm thinking of is um, loving well, finishing strong, only mm-hmm. because it could be something you hand to him, but that would probably really make it mad. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I just think it's, it is hard. And I love what you just said, Sherry, that, um, you know, just that whole concept of um, just, you don't know what's coming from underneath that, that reaction. Mm-hmm. And um, the, if your intention is not to, disrespect Mm -hmm. it's okay to say you can lead with that response right you can say i i'm not trying to disrespect i'm coming from a place of love and concern i just have Mm -hmm. a couple of questions and i love what you said chris about um this doesn't matter if it's a titled person or a you know a relationship where we just need to have you know mutuality yes you hear me i hear you and um, I don't want to make you up uncomfortable, but sometimes relationships are uncomfortable. Yeah. And well, just leading with that. Go ahead, Chris. Well, Becky, I was just going to say, I don't know if, if we have it, but a book that I would definitely recommend to her is Safe People. J- John and Henry wrote that. It just helps us have the wisdom to see what is self-relation, what is relationally safe behavior, what is relationally unsafe behavior. Yeah, that would be a good book. So go we ahead and get that. We will send that to her. We do have that. Excellent. And we'll send that to Ooh, her. Yay. You know, the, the funny thing about Safe People is that people will – Get the book thinking that it's about how to pick safe people. (laughs) Yes. Really. It's like, how do I I know who is safe? (laughs) I I laugh because when I was reading it, I had so many uh uh-oh moments of like, I got more work work to do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, and it goes full circle back, Chris, to the the beginning of this program where we were talking about that creativity. Mm. I think a lot of times we can get pretty rigid in how we see ourselves and how we think that other people experience us. And so we think of safe people and we believe believe that if everybody just goes along with me they must be safe mm. well some of the some of the most safe people which i know is not good english are those that may challenge you because you have something that you can learn from that yeah um 
you know, maybe that's a book that if you're listening, that might be something you want to pick up. I, I just am grateful for the, the many ways that people listen to us. I know that there are some of you who are listening on podcasts. And of course, we have our, our radio audience all over the country, as well as our internet audience. Whatever way you listen, we are grateful that you're there. We love to hear from you. You can call us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern to ask your calls at 1-800-229-3000. We're going to do one more show after this. We've got some calls lined up, but call us if you have a question. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, callers. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, We have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.